Welcome to Spook Pod. This is Courtney. And this is Emily. tell you um about the podcast i started listening to that's literally a guy i went to university with really i didn't tell you okay i've told a couple people so i couldn't remember if you were one of them but i was like i was um so the morbid girls did a spin-off podcast of um re-watching buffy the vampire slayer so i started listening to it because that's my jam <laughs> and uh and i was like wow i love I- the morbid girls and I don't know what part of my brain fires up with like rewatching episodes, but I I feel like that's why I'm always like I'm slightly on the spectrum because I get so happy watching <laughs> shit I've already watched. So I was like, this speaks to me on a whole like different level. But there's only like five episodes or so because they've just started it. So I like got through them right away, and I was like, I need something else. <laughs> and so I was kind of like googling the podcasts that do like rewatches. And I came across this one for Supernatural, and I really like Supernatural. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch Supernatural. And it's called Ghost Facers. And there's literally, like, this thing on Supernatural where there's these... So have you ever watched Supernatural? Um, I feel like I might have seen, like, one episode. Okay, so there's basically two brothers who hunt monsters is the premise yeah. of the show. And there's these other two friends. They're not even brothers, but they don't know about the, like two main characters and they hunt ghosts but they're like like it's like amateur hour and they're just like two guys who are like you know jonesing for ghosts and things so they call themselves the ghost facers and they end up just being like the bumbling idiots who get in the way and like ruin everything (laughs) and it's kind of like a running joke in the series so i thought that maybe it was the two like the two actors who play those guys were the ones doing this like ghost facers podcast and so i was listening to it and i was like well one of these guys sounds really familiar but the other one doesn't. So I was like, maybe it's not the actors f- that are like playing those characters. Maybe it's like other actors. So then I was like, I should really Google who does this podcast. Because I didn't listen to the intro. I just skipped it and like went right mm-hmm. into the episodes. Mm-hmm. And so I Googled who it was. And it's literally a guy who was in the drama program with me at Waterloo who was like a year ahead of me. Oh, that's um, so funny. I, you maybe met him like once or twice. But yeah, and I, I definitely like we went to parties with him and like... I. <laughs> I went through my program with him. He was in a lot of my courses and stuff. And so I was like, oh, shit, this is his podcast. And, like, I literally, like, listened to a whole bunch of episodes of it and didn't even realize that I was... That's so funny. What a small world. Did you hear that Liam Hemsworth is going to play The Witcher now? And What's-His-Face isn't doing it anymore? What? Yeah. No, I don't like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I don't like that. Bring Henry Cavill back. I'll yeah, literally probably name. stop watching The Witcher. Like, I know. I love... I saw. Do you like, have you watched The Witcher? I love The Witcher. I love it. I am. I'm literally. You so told upset. me to watch it. I you, did multiple yeah. times. Yeah, I love it. I'm actually so upset by that. I, and I like Liam Hemsworth. Don't get me wrong, but Henry Cavill got, yeah, and he got was, me. He was The Witcher. He was The Witcher. Yeah. Sad news. I saw Liam like put it on Instagram that he was so excited to take this role from Henry and thank you for blah 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 whatever. No, I, I hate like, it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's going to be like in the fourth season, like because I, I felt like they were filming the third, but maybe Henry Cavill stepped out for other reasons. Oh God, now I need to know. <laughs> we're already as I as I f- freakishly quickly Google. Okay, he's going to be in season three. Liam is. 
or no Henry Henry Cavill is going to be in season Wait, three. They didn't release season three yet. No, it's only season one and two. They're they're just uh. wrapping up filming on season three, which is why I was like, I think he's in season three. So he's okay. in season three, but season four is going to be Liam Hemsworth. Okay. I hate this. <laughs> I actually hate. That's like, weird. No shade. No shade to Liam. I mean shade, but no shade because I get it. It's <laughs> it's a job and like whatever. I mean, Henry Cavill's just so hot as The Witcher too. Okay, stop it. We're gonna we're gonna refocus. Emily is gonna refocus. You rattled my world. <laughs> Sorry, I like it was it was at my Halloween party that I discovered it, and I just like went straight to Irwin and like shoved my phone in his face and was like, "These Look. are the things you text me about." I would have been awake. Why? Sorry. Not, why? Listen, listen. I was you very drunken, distracted. You drunken little hobbit. You need. <laughs> This is the information I require immediately <laughs> upon you finding out. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. So today I am doing a story. Did you read my notes at all? I didn't. No? Nope. Good. I read the first, uh, the, uh, the Tinder murder and I was like, <laughs> and then I was done. Excellent. I like when I was, you don't read my notes. I was but... literally in the car and I had gotten to the point of like looking through stuff because I was trying to like work on our other pod and I was like looking through stuff online and I had gotten to the point where I was like mildly carsick. And so I like read the first <laughs> bit of that and was like, enough is enough. Um, <laughs> so. All right. Well, yeah. indeed, this this story was known in the media as the Tinder murder of Leowarden. And it happened very, very recently. It was March 6th, 2022. So this year... Police were called to an apartment building in Leowarden that had been set on fire. As they were focusing on putting it out, they found the body of a 21-year-old woman who had been stabbed to death in the stairwell. Her name was Mika Ort. But what happened? So I really wanted to tell this story, but let me do a second of housekeeping just to begin. So first of all, my sources for this uh, include a lot of Dutch news articles and court hearings. And a lot of them, just as a little note, a lot of them were translated by me from Dutch. <laughs> so if I make any mistakes, please let me know. You know, sometimes things go a little bit wonky when translating and I'm not so good at Dutch. So um, yeah, just email the spookpod at gmail.com if there's any corrections. I tried my best. Uh, I'm also going to put the list of all of my sources in our blog with a transcription for this episode so people can get credit and also you can look and check out the sources if you want to. And I will put English sources where I can. There were some articles that came in both English and Dutch, but some of them are only in Dutch. So that's that's all. So yeah, this happened so recently this year. And because it happened this year, we haven't seen the end of this case yet. But I also wanted to tell this story because it happened just 30 minutes away from my house, which is something that's like a little bit shocking, I think, when when things happen like this that are so close to home. And for me, it just, it, yeah, it feels so out of place. It feels like, you know, those things don't happen here. So yeah, this happened in Leowarden, which is the capital of Friesland. Friesland being a province here in the Netherlands. Uh, I like to compare Friesland to Quebec in Canada. So it's the province that kind of, you know, it's just a little bit different. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Sorry, Quebecers. 
I didn't want to like come out, out and straight out. You guys say keep that. trying to leave and take our currency, and it's not okay. Yeah, but so in Friesland, they speak a different language. They speak Frisian instead of Dutch, and it's like a full-on different language. It's not like a dialect. Like Dutch people can't understand Frisian. Maybe but... it's that they just don't want to. <laughs> Maybe. Did you like... ever think of that? <laughs> like no, 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 no. <laughs> But yeah, other provinces tend to poke a little bit of fun at this. I think, yeah, similar to what we do in Quebec, I think. They have some different rules. They do some things different. The worst part about this is, like, if you're Canadian, (laughs) it gets so intricate because, yes, Quebec speaks French. And, yes, I did make some derogatory comments about Quebec. I'm very sorry. It's a lovely place. Go visit Quebec City. It's great. But what I think is hilarious is that, yeah, it's mostly French speaking, but it's not the only province that speaks French. Like, New Brunswick, I think, has a lot of... uh, That's a bilingual... Yeah, that's the only bilingual one. And so... They don't, I mean, they get, they get a bad rap for a different reason, um, but they don't get made fun of as much as, like, Quebec does. And I, so I don't know. It's it's probably not strictly a language thing either. Like, I, there are many reasons that. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I feel like there's always kind of one province that people are the like, whole, oh. The whole separatist <laughs> attitude for Quebec really didn't help them out any. Like, <laughs> you want to leave? Go ahead. And that vote was so close. Oh my gosh. But how weird would it have been? Because again, (coughs) if you're Canadian, like if you're not Canadian and you're not familiar with a map of Canada, like Quebec literally separates the Eastern provinces from Ontario. And I don't think you can get from the Eastern provinces to Ontario without crossing a portion of Quebec. No, yeah, you Um, can't. So if Quebec were to yeet themselves from Canada, (laughs) our map would no longer be connected from coast to coast. We would be like from coast to coast and that little bit (laughs) (laughs) that separated. Well, I think we, we like it could still connect if you went up north, but like, you have to from, go all the way around Quebec. From coast to that weird border in Ontario, and then if you let go a little bit further to the other coast. <laughs> yeah, you'll be in charge of writing the new song when that happens. I think so. I'm lyrically a genius. So anyway, sorry, back to the Quebec yeah. of the Netherlands. The Quebec of the Netherlands, Friesland. Well, I love it here. It's a beautiful place. There's so much water. There's small little farms and the typical Dutch farmhouses. They're called borderies. And yeah, it's just quaint and cute and green and clean. And I live in a small town here called Dockham, which just looks like it's straight out of a postcard or straight out of a fairy, out of a fairy tale. It's it's gorgeous. It has this like really pretty canal that goes right through the center of the city and there's big like pirate ship looking boats in it. It's just really cute. But yeah, I live in a small town and the bigger city that I go to all the time, I go there three times a week for Dutch school. If I ever need to do any like bigger shopping, I go to Leeuwarden. So it's 20 to 30 minutes away. As I said, this is the capital city in Friesland and the biggest city in the province. But in March of this year, the city was rocked by a pretty out-of-place murder. So this is Mika's story, and I will start from the beginning. Well, first of all, let me introduce her. So her full name is Mika Jasmine Ort, and I love her name. It's very pretty. But it's it's spelled 
uh, Mika, like M-I-E-K-E, which is a very Dutch spelling, but it's pronounced Mika. And her last name is very Dutch as well, Ort, O-O-R-T. And I had a fish. <laughs> I had a fish named Ort in university. I just want to do a little shout out to Ort. Can I just, I just need to interfere <laughs> for one second in this because when she says she has a, had a fish named Ort, what she means is she had a best friend named Ort <laughs> in university because that fish was like a very large part of our lives. I loved for like Ort. Four years. <laughs> he had a favorite song. It was Single Ladies by Beyonce. Um, he had a Facebook page. <laughs> he was definitely not a heterosexual fish. Um, he liked to sleep upside down and make himself look dead in his plants and then would just become alive all of a sudden. He got constipated once. I was going to bring that up. Often. It wasn't just once. That fish couldn't poop a lot. There was one really big one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Ort was like, Ort was a lot. So when she casually mentions Ort, it was not a casual relationship. <laughs> Continue with your story. Well, yeah. So I like Mika's last name, Ort. <laughs> but yeah, she has a very Dutch name, Mika Ort. But despite her having a very Dutch name, Mika was actually American. So she was born in the United States and she grew up in Winchester, Massachusetts, which is only about a 15 minute drive away from Boston. I couldn't find her exact birthday online, unfortunately. That kind of made me upset that I couldn't find that. But she would have been born in the year 2000, I believe, because she was 21 as of March 6th. And I think she would have been turning 22 this year. So she was born to parents Mike and Celine Ort. And her mother, Celine, was of Malaysian descent. And her father is Dutch-born. He came from Hetbild. Uh, which is a small area close to Leowarden. And Mika also has an older sister, Danique Ort. And both of these girls, Danique and Mika, they are gorgeous. Like, they have that look. I don't know. They have, like, dark, beautiful flowing hair. They're both, like, really petite. And Danique has these, like, little freckles. And I was like, wow, how can, how can people be this pretty? And Danique... She was known as the more outgoing one. She was always going to parties and having fun with her friends. But Mika was more quiet and shy. She liked to stay home. Her mother, Celine, said that she looked at the world from behind her skirt. So, yeah, just a little shy kid. But she also loved to go kite surfing with her dad. And she just seems like a really wholesome girl. Her dad described her as very inclusive and I watched a video, which um, I think it was from her prom. Uh, but in the video, she was pushing someone like in a wheelchair the entire time. And it just kind of gives you the sense of like what type of person she was. Like she cared about other people. She was making sure everyone had a good time instead of just focusing on herself, you know, things like that. And the family, it seemed, were also world travelers. So the parents had a vacation house in Spain. And Mika shared a lot of images on her social media of all the different places in the world that she had been to. After Mika graduated from Winchester High School in 2019, she decided that her next step was college. And she wanted to attend college in the Netherlands, which was, yeah, her father's home country. So she was going to move here, go to school, 
and get more acquainted with this part of her heritage. And she also still had a lot of family here in the Netherlands too. So in February of 2019, Mika and her mother went to an open day at NHL Stenden University of Applied Sciences in Leeuwarden. They liked the educational principle that the school had, which was basically learning by doing. It had a really hands-on approach. And she loved the little city of Leeuwarden too. So she decided that this was the school for her. And in the fall of 2019, she began attending for leisure and events management. And I kind of wonder, like, I don't know if she could speak Dutch or maybe this school had an English program because a lot of schools do here. I'm not really sure about that part. I kind of get the impression that she could speak Dutch, but I'm actually not really sure. But hey, if you can go to university in Europe, do it because the price differences between Europe and Canada or the United States, they're insane. I know I had a couple friends who came over here to finish up their veterinary um, schooling and, a, and another girl I know who came to write like a, a thesis. She did like a year of study over here and like the whole time I was A, jealous because they're in gorgeous Europe and B, jealous because I was like, they're probably paying so much less for schooling than I am. <laughs> yeah. And even like the student loans are completely different. Like if you don't get a job in your field, you don't have to pay your student loans back, which is really interesting. So yeah, they just have a different kind of setup. But uh, so Mika moved to the Netherlands into a student residence in 2019. And her apartment was on Tweebaksmarkt in the center of Leeuwarden. I mean, congrats on that, because I looked at that word and got anxiety, so. <laughs> and it wasn't like a student residence that we think of. Like, when I think of a residence, I think of dorm rooms and something on campus, but it was just basically an apartment away from the university that a lot of students lived in. So the fact that Mika was American also makes this story pretty unique and different. It's, you know, an American who got murdered here in the Netherlands. It was just interesting for me, I think, to hear about this because I often think that I'm, like, one of the only ones, like, up here in the north, in this neck of the woods, who is just a complete lost immigrant from North America. There, I don't think there's too many of us up here. So I feel like I relate to Mika because, yeah, she also moved not only to the Netherlands, but also to Friesland in, in particular. And she moved here in 2019, which is the exact same year that I moved here as well. So I think that we must have moved at basically the exact same time. Like, I moved here in August 2019, and she was starting school in September 2019. So, yeah, I just, I feel really connected to her. And also, like, I have a level of understanding because that was a really weird time to move to the Netherlands. For me, um, it kind of felt like I had a really big transition period. Like, when I first moved here, I was still traveling a lot and I didn't actually spend a lot of time in the Netherlands but it, it took me a long time to kind of get a footing in this new country like I didn't know anyone I didn't have anywhere to go and then basically not long after I moved here boom like there's a global pandemic and everything shut down and because of that I actually still kind of feel like I haven't really fully found my place in this country even three years later so 
yeah, it just wasn't the same experience that I had moving to the Netherlands as I did when I moved to Aruba, for example. Like when I moved to Aruba, it felt instant. Like I, I instantly had friends and a job and a house and a car and I was busy and I was doing things. And yeah, Aruba felt like home instantly. But when I came to the Netherlands, it was not like that. And I know the pandemic played a huge part in that. And I know that Mika felt the same way. So she had a really hard time in the beginning being, of course, so far away from home, not knowing anyone, and then having the pandemic happen where everything is shut down and starting school. It's kind of challenging to do that in a pandemic situation. So I know that she had a hard time and she had a lot of lonely nights. Like this was really hard for Mika. And there was a time when she actually decided that she was going to go back home for a while and do classes online from the United States because she just felt too lonely in the Netherlands. But this, after some time, started to feel really impossible because Mika was because of the time difference, she was doing her lectures online at one or two in the morning. So eventually she decided, okay, it's time to go back to the Netherlands. So she had one final night in the United States where she went out with Danique and her friends, and they had a nice night of dancing. And then she flew back to the Netherlands in September of 2021. And that was the last time that Danique saw Mika. Danique said that Mika really grew a lot during her time in school. She began like daring to step outside of her comfort zone and she was starting to blossom into the person she would become. She began taking the lead during college assignments and this was something that she really wouldn't have dared to do back home in America. Her teachers described her as sparkling but also diligent, kind, and sensible. And I feel like I can relate to this. Like I was a shy kid too and it was around that same time for me, like university age, that I started actually feeling like I was finding myself and I was gaining some confidence. So it just really breaks my heart that this was that time for Mika. She was starting to blossom, becoming who she was meant to be. And then she crossed paths with an absolute bozo that I will introduce in just a second, although he does not deserve an introduction. <laughs> yeah, in September of 2019, when Mika went back to the Netherlands, she kind of found her niche again. She was having a less lonely time. She had two roommates who she was really close with. She was cooking for them. She was sharing Malaysian recipes with them, and things were starting to look good for her. And then she went on Tinder, and it was on Tinder that she met Thomas R., now, t Tinder, Emily, you've said this before, Tinder is a mixed bag. Yep. But uh, I feel like a lot of the times, and especially in my town, my area, you can tell. You can you can tell which end of the grab bag you're at when you <laughs> swipe on a profile. You immediately see, like, do you have all of your teeth? <laughs> do you have random scabs all over your face? Oh, God. Are you missing half your hair? But not the normal half your hair where you would if you were balding. More like you just pulled it out because the spiders were eating your skull. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you really, like, have an idea. 
I think that Tinder in cities is more challenging because it's easier for people to have that completely normal facade, but still be a giant creep bag meth head right. and have you not know about it. Like, yeah, I, think I mean, I, like... I'm lucky because it's so obvious where I am, like who the sketch bags are. And it's not as obvious when you're somewhere where there's more selection and more people that you can like hide in a crowd. Yeah. You know, the Tinder swindler, he was here in the Netherlands on, but yeah, I was thinking we should do a deep dive on the Tinder swindler. Have you seen? I hate him. Yes. (laughs) Because, okay, here's the thing. He's not even that good looking. No, he's weird. Yeah. And so really what that says to me is like, and nothing to discredit these women because like he's the shithead and he's in the wrong, but it really worries me how much women are willing to forgive if there is the perceived appearance of like financial stability. Mm-hmm. Because he literally like seemed like financially he didn't have a care in the world, and they kind of went along with that to a scary degree, like to the point where he was drawing from their financial well-being and putting them in all kinds of crazy debt. Because there was the promise of, like, I'll pay you back. And, like, yeah, that's fine with, like, my close friends and, like, whatever. If I'm, like, out somebody's, like, buy me a coffee. I'm, like, okay, I'll buy you a coffee because you'll get me back later. Or loan me 40 bucks because I don't have my wallet with me. Okay, cool, because I know where you live and I know where you work. But (laughs) if there's just this random guy that's, like, I'm some kind of heir to a diamond fortune and I need, you know, $500,000 right now, take out a line of credit, I would be, like... Bro, I'm no. still I'm still paying off OSAP five years later. What makes you think I could ever pay back a five hundred thousand yeah. dollar line of credit? Like no. I know, it's crazy. But yeah, anyways, we'll do a deep dive on him. We'll oh, I, that is worrisome. <laughs> I'm gonna get heated about that one. We're gonna do it. But yeah, so Mika met Thomas R. And it's already like that's a shitty name. It's a shitty <laughs> well, name. This is the thing about the Dutch press is it's different from Canada and other places. They do not release the full name of the perpetrator. So, uh, well, I guess this is a bit of a spoiler alert. <laughs> because How much How much you want to bet that on his Tinder profile, it was Tommy R. Tommy R. <laughs> well, yeah. So he's only called Thomas R in all of the media. We don't we have We can call him Teabag name. if you want to. Let's just call him Teabag. Teabag. <laughs> Good. I like it. But yeah, I think that that's kind of interesting that they don't release the name of a perpetrator. I guess I won't get into it because there's different opinions on that. I just do want to say devil's advocate. Maybe it's a better way than what we do in North America, because I feel like sometimes the perpetrator of a crime is so heavily looked Stigmatized at in and yeah. yeah. And then they get like that. It's not fame. It's notoriety. And, but that's what they wanted. So I feel like, in that sense, this guy, nobody knows who Thomas R is. It's not like he's getting famous off this. It's not like he's going to have a ton of people writing him in his weird little prison cell, telling him how great it was that he stabbed a girl. <laughs> like, I just, maybe it's better in that way. Yeah, that part's true. It, I also think, like, the Netherlands focuses more on rehabilitation instead of punishment. And I think that's one of the reasons why they do it, because it's very hard to rehabilitate yourself into a society after prison, but I don't know that I'd ever let stabby McStab hands back out. <laughs> well, that's it. We'll get into that. Like later, Edward Scissorhands but... <laughs> probably needs some detention time to think about what he's done. Yeah. And we have a very different idea of 
this in Canada. So it it's it does it is different here. Yeah, but we like but, even Canadians don't have the death penalty. I don't think. No, we don't we have don't. the death penalty. Yeah, I <laughs> no. had, to, had to stop for a second. I was like, no, <laughs> definitely not, Emily. Come it's on, that's definitely just... the. I listen to a lot of U.S. true crime, and it's hard <laughs> because they're always like, they got the death penalty, and I'm like, yep, yep. And then I think about our own laws, and I'm like, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't. Do... <laughs> There's no zappy zappy. We can't. <laughs> we can't stop the other inmates from killing them, but we don't kill them ourselves. <laughs> Them's the rules. <laughs> my god okay well anyways thomas teabag thomas the train choo choo (laughs) he was from leek which is a city in the next province over in Groningen. so that's about a 45 minute drive from leowarden so he does not live super close to mika uh but yeah he he lived in leek and he lived with his parents there and he worked with his parents there as well cool stage five clinger right off the bat (laughs) All the red flags. So when Thomas and Mika met in the fall of 2021, he was 27 and she was 21. And Mika was a third year student at this point. And they actually had a nice story at first, maybe. (laughs) They met regularly for a few weeks. They went on nice dates together. He took her out to dinner. He was trying to impress her. He got her some gifts. They went to Amsterdam together. They discussed going to Spain together. You know, if Mika's coffee maker was broken, he bought her a new one. And he said, quote, If we had an argument, I would buy her nice things so that I could see that smile again. Only then would my day be good. Puke. Yeah. That's but... almost the equivalent of like an old man telling you to smile more because you'd be prettier <laughs> or like something I like agree. that. Like, get out of here. I know. I hate that. Get out of here with your coffee maker. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but after some time, uh, Mika made it clear to Thomas that this was just friendly on her part. She just wanted to be friends. She did not want a relationship with him. And she also even said that, hey, she was dating other people. So this was not exclusive. Being upfront and honest about where you're at. in Yeah. Yeah communication but thomas he was already like very very in love with mika just already after a couple weeks to him she was like yeah the be all and end all he he was or she was it for him so thomas didn't really take this too well he He doesn't seem like the stable type so (laughs) he also said that he was really confused with where it stood with mika Quote, she didn't want a relationship, but it was more than dating. I found it very confusing. But I mean, like, guys do this, too. Like, I don't understand why this is so confusing. Like, she's saying straight up, hey, we can be friends, but I don't want more than that. We can see each other every now and then. Guys do that all the freaking time. So, like, I I don't know. Like, what the hell? Like, how can you not understand what that means? I don't know. And I always feel like there's this, like, expectation where you're like, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing other people at the same time, this is not a relationship, and then in their, and not all men, but in the little caveman brain, <laughs> it goes, I'm I'm the number one, I have a sh- real shot, if I hang on for a really long amount of time, she will eventually choose me. And it's like, not always the case, bro, because sometimes we're just not vibing, and 
Like, you're mm-hmm. okay to have around for 20 minutes, but if you stuck around for seven hours, I might want to rip your toes off and beat <laughs> you with them. Yeah, I kind of think that that's what happened here. Like, he... I think he still didn't give up hope here, and he still thought that they would be together one day in the future. But he really could not stand the idea that Mika would be with somebody else. And he started to become a little obsessive at this point, and he began to stalk Mika. So he actually kind of like terrorized this girl for months. He harassed her over WhatsApp. He would message her constantly. He asked her roommates if she had other guys coming over. He would drive up and down her street over and over again. He once even broke into her apartment when she wasn't home, and he stole all the gifts that he had given her previously. And then later he used this as an excuse to, like, contact her again and give them back. No, that's like, because that's like, hi, I bought you, let's just say socks. I know it probably wasn't socks, but let's say socks. Hi, I bought you these socks. I'm mad that we are no longer friends, so I'm going to break into your home and steal them and not tell you about it. But then a week later, I'm going to contact you and go, listen, on an impulsive night, I stole those socks I gave you. (laughs) But now I realize they're not even my size. Do you want them back? Stop it. What are you doing? Yeah, just weird. But then this is the doozy. So he put a GPS tracker on her bicycle. And he literally did this while he was on a date with someone else. (laughs) Well, hey, listen to that someone else. You really dodged a bullet. Yeah. (laughs) Like, hey, baby, just a second. I just need to put a GPS tracker. Oh, my God. What would you do if you saw some guy you were, like, on a date with? What are you doing? Some random bike and GPS tracker. I'd be like, we done. Like, this is so so far outside of okay. And this is a big deal in the Netherlands because uh, bikes are the main form of transportation around here. It's all anybody does, especially in the city. So this would have been how Mika was going everywhere on her bike. And yeah, he was tracking her movements. And Mika discovered this because a light on the back of her bike stopped working. And then she saw, oh, what is this other little tiny light that's blinking on the bottom of my bike? And, yeah, it was a GPS tracker. Which is, like, on the same level as, like, right, and it's been kind of going around lately where people are finding, like, Apple AirTags um, stuck to their, like, wheel wells of their cars or in, tucked inside the oh, lining really? of the gym bags. Oh, you didn't, didn't know, know about that? that. No. So, creepy. yeah, it's been ha- I think it's been in the States mostly, but it's been, like, because you can buy Apple AirTags. So that's what these guys are doing, buying, like, a bulk amount of Apple AirTags, tagging them to their phone, and then following people that they're interested in and like sticking them into like the wheel wells of their cars or into their gym bags but there is like an upside to it because the newer iphones now do this thing where it's like there is a device that has been tracking your location if your phone is like near that device multiple times and it picks up on the signal it lets you know so then you can like locate if there's a device like on you but yeah people it was literally happening that like people were being stalked with the apple air tags oh creepy uh so yeah he's on that level yeah It's just a weird thing to do. Like, why? But not only this, he also made several suicide attempts during this time of stalking. Like, he just couldn't take this rejection and this obsession that he had. One of these times, police pulled him down from from the roof of a building. Sure, just left him. Just leave him. (laughs) 
And another time he took 40 sleeping pills. And then, like, he would tell Mika what just happened, too. So that's also really emotionally manipulative. Like, so Mika had told her sister and her friends that she was actually kind of scared to completely cut off contact with this guy because she didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, it's just really scary when that happens to you. And there's not really much you can do. Even if you go to the police, there's not much that they can do in a lot of these stalking situations. So... And I think it's scary because sometimes people don't even realize just how much like someone else could be obsessed with them, you know, until it gets to the point where it gets really bad. And then because I mean, 90 percent of the population is not aware of kooky and and not aware of like their surroundings to that extent. Like I'm aware of my surroundings in the sense like I walk out into a dark parking lot at night. I'm going to scan it and see who's there. But I'm not leaving my house and checking over my shoulder every five minutes to make sure I'm not being followed by some random dude on Tinder that I thought I ended things with. Like, so I think like generally you're not looking for that kind of behavior. So you would never know until all of a sudden you're getting dead doves and rats and whatever on your doorstep (laughs) and it's not from your cat. Like, and especially when you're young too, it's hard to see these signs. You don't really understand it. And she's only 21. So I think I definitely wouldn't have understood this behavior at that age but i think she was considering going to the police um and she did tell some people about it like her sister and i think one other person uh but i also saw it reported that she kept a lot of this to herself like she just told a couple people and i'm probably sure like like you don't want people to like say you're overreacting and i think that's a big fear that people have is like if you come forward with this stuff and like go to a friend and say Oh, this, and also you don't want to be that girl that's like, he's so obsessed with me. He's doing this and like, he's doing that. But like sometimes when he's so obsessed with you that he's like following you everywhere and tracking your bike and doing weird like that, you should be telling people. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about stalking behavior is that it gradually increases in severity until it gets like to a very scary and life threatening point. So around December 2021, so a few months after uh, she had met Thomas, Mika started kind of really seeing someone else. And I think Mika told Thomas about this too. And she also said, you know, it's not super serious with this new guy either, but she was seeing someone new. And this new guy, this is going to get confusing, but his name was Tom, Tom Hogenberg. So (laughs) Tommy H., Tommy Tommy H H and Tommy R were having a throwdown. (laughs) Yeah, just don't get that confused. So I'm going to call them Tom. Tom is the new boyfriend, the good guy. And then Tom, Thomas, like Tom plus ass, like Tom ass. Or teabag. Teabag. (laughs) He's the shitty one. He's the murdery one. (laughs) Yeah, he's the stabby guy. The stabby stab McGee. So Thomas was really fucking jealous that Mika was seeing somebody else and he was still in his state of confusion, wondering whether him and Mika would ever be together. Spoiler alert. I think you're not going to be together. <laughs> think that's not going to work out for you, Thomas. Yeah. But things started to go really downhill from here after Tom came into the picture. So Thomas was becoming very, very obsessed about knowing what Mika was doing, who she was with, what she was doing at all times. And if he even like thought or suspected 
that she was with Tom, he kind of went into like a big rage. He was really upset about it. And even though like he was going on a couple other dates with people at this time too, like when he put the GPS tracker on her bike. Yeah. He he just had this really deep obsession with Mika. And this went on for months all the way until March 5th, 2022. So on this night, Tom was in Leowarden and he was on a date with another girl. But again, even though he was out with another girl in Leowarden, first of all, he came to Leowarden and he also parked his car on Mika's street, even though he was out with another girl. So he's being weird. And I think he got the feeling that Mika was with Tom this night. Uh, but he was he has stated that he just really wanted to speak to Mika on this night. He said he needed to know the truth from her. And he texted her asking to see her. And Mika said, no, I'm sick. I can't see you. Also read as, no, you're creepy. I'm over it. Stop contacting me. <laughs> yeah. Read between the lines. Get a hint. So he didn't think that this was correct. He didn't believe her. Like, obviously, dude, take a hint. So after his date, he went over to her student apartment. Well, remember, his car is parked there. And this creepy dude, <laughs> this just makes me laugh. He put his cell phone on a selfie stick and he climbed up because she's not like on the bottom floor. He like climbed up and like held the selfie stick up to her window to make a recording to see what she was doing in her apartment. And good. He's... <laughs> yep. good. Normal people shit. Yeah. Normal people regular shit. shit. Yeah. Just making a little home movie. It's fine. <laughs> and he saw that there was actually a little bit of a party going on in the student residence. There were a few people there and he saw Mika dancing with another guy who was Tom. And Mika actually saw him doing this and texted him that he was rude and to like pause there because like literally if I was being stalked and I saw my stalker with his selfie stick balancing on the side of a building trying to record me (laughs) with my new boyfriend, I don't think the text would be you're rude. It would be like, get the fuck out of here. My my text would be like, hey, you fucking psycho. I've called the police. (laughs) You're now a peeping Tom and a stalker. Yeah, and this made Thomas very mad. He was so mad for a couple reasons. Like, essentially, Mika lied to him, right? She said she was sick, and then... Sick of him? Yeah. (laughs) Not a lie. And then she was with Tom, so he just could not take this. He said he was getting more and more frustrated, more and more crazy, and he went into basically a frenzy. These are his words. His words. But... Man, this frenzy lasted for fucking hours. So from here, he drove, like he left, he drove from Leovarden all the way back to his house in Leek, which, again, that's about a 45-minute drive. And from there, in Leek... And why don't you just, like, stop? You're home. Crack a beer. Right? Have a drink. It's late. Go to bed. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But yeah, in Leek, he proceeds to get two Molotov cocktails, a knife a hammer, and then he hops in his car and drives all the way back to Leowarden again to Mika's apartment. So, like, yeah, dude has time to spare. Like, it's now about three in the morning. Like, bro, aren't you tired? Go to bed. Go to bed. What are you doing? Go to bed. Also, I had to Google what a Molotov cocktail was. I didn't know what that was. Child. You're a child. (laughs) 
So if you also don't know what a Molotov cocktail was, uh, don't don't worry. I'll, I will let you know. It is usually like a glass bottle filled with a very flammable liquid. It is and, not a cocktail drink. Do not yeah, don't it. drink it. And you would put like a cloth. Maybe I shouldn't be telling people how to do this, but you put you a can cloth. Google it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it basically yeah, it explodes. It causes a fire basically. So, yeah, again, with all this driving, like, Thomas had a lot of time to kind of cool down or change his mind, right? Or accidentally set off the Molotov cocktail inside of his own car and kill himself. <laughs> but, yeah, he says that this time for him was just a complete black hole. But what else is interesting is that he purchased the gasoline and the knife, and he searched on the internet how to make a Molotov cocktail on March 4th, which was the day before this even happened. So even a day before he had spoken to Mika and she said she was sick. Like So to me, like, I mean, this is straight up premeditated, right? Like he was planning to do this shit. He was planning to do something. Might as well have went out and bought a garbage bag and zip ties. Like, we know where you're going with this. Yeah, we know what's going on. But he denies this. And he said that he was planning on setting himself on fire with the Molotov cocktail. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, who, who, like, that doesn't make sense. That's, if you want to set yourself on fire, you don't need a Molotov cocktail. That's like a Douse bomb. yourself in gasoline. That's the easiest, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so it doesn't make any sense. Anywho, so he gets back to the apartment complex with these murder items, and he stood outside for a little bit again, could have changed his mind. Just chilling, wanted to have a ciggy real quick with his yeah. flammable bombs in his hands. And then he eventually threw a Molotov cocktail into the apartment building into a kitchen window, which started a fire. From there, he climbed up a drain pipe and he entered the student residence through a balcony window that he smashed in with the hammer. So he Spider-Maned up the side of a building and then smashed out a door. Awesome. Yep. And Mika and Tom were asleep at this point, but the commotion had woken them up. So they heard like glass breaking and fire crackling noises, and they flew out of bed to see like what the hell's happening. And as they were getting out of bed and running around, they heard glass breaking again, and then they saw someone come storming towards them. And then from here, things turned black. Police would arrive at the apartment for the fire, but they would find Mika, who had unfortunately passed away in the student residence with stab wounds to her chest, lungs, neck, and arm. And she was stabbed 15 times. So, like, that's a lot. Tom that's an, was... That's an angry amount of stabbing. That's angry that, amount. That is an angry amount of stabbing. Tom was still alive, but barely. It was basically just sheer luck that he survived. He also had stab wounds to his side, his chest, and his hands. And another man, who was British and actually one of Mika's roommates, he got in a fight with Thomas, and he also suffered some injuries, but just minor injuries, as he was trying to chase Thomas out of the building. So the police arrived really quickly, and again, Mika was unfortunately gone already at this point. And it had to be decided basically in a split second whether Tom should be flown to a bigger hospital in Groningen or driven to a medical center in Leowarden. Like his condition was very 
critical. He had minutes to live and he was bleeding out. But luckily for him, it was reported his heart and his lungs were only a little bit punctured. <laughs> that's not, still not lucky, but... <laughs> no, that's not lucky at all. So, yeah, he was unconscious, um, but he was rushed to the hospital and went into surgery. And it was when he had stabilized and woken up from a coma that he was told what happened to Mika. And he actually had to attend her funeral still in a wheelchair because he, he was very injured. Thomas Teabag, he said about this attack, quote, I don't know how often and where I stabbed them. I was panicking. I wanted answers, not to hurt her physically. But like, bro, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> then why do you have you a knife? <laughs> yeah, you don't come into a place with a knife in hand if you don't want to hurt her. Yeah, he's saying like he's this is this has been his story. He's like, I just wanted to talk to her. I just needed the truth. I needed to talk to her that night. But I mean, he knows the truth. The truth is, dude, you got to move on. You got to move on. Like if this isn't what you you let, she's been straight up. If this isn't what you like, dude, move on. And also, if it was his intention to talk to her, he did not speak a single word to Mika that night when he went into her apartment. He broke in and attacked them instantly. So basically what it comes down to, because they're still in the courts, they're still working through this in court right now, it comes down to whether or not this was premeditated. So Thomas is saying that it was not. He said he bought the gasoline to set himself on fire, and he said he just wanted to talk. But yeah, to, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. And premeditation doesn't have to be even like, oh, I've been planning this for days and Googling it and making like a step-by-step -step procedure. Like premeditation can happen in a single moment. If you decide in a single moment, like I am going to kill these people, that is premeditation. The fact that he left the scene, went and got tools, including a knife and Molotov cocktails, drove back to the scene... And yeah. then committed the crime. Says yeah. Premeditation. And like, you exactly. thought about it. You planned it out. You cannot tell me you were in like a fugue rage state that entire time. You, yeah. That was ours. Exactly. And he set the apartment on fire before, like to go in. So, yeah. And Tom and Mika's family also, they're like, yeah, this was premeditation. Tom said also that like when he came in there, he had a plan. And they were both hit in all their vulnerable spots, you know, like chest, lungs. Yeah. So after the attack, Thomas got back in his car and he fled to Germany. <laughs> As he fled, he called his parents and told them what he had done, who they then called the police, which thank you. This is such a difference from our Natalie Holloway case. Like, this is what you do as a parent. You call the police. You don't be like Paulus, Yoron's dad. Or in a more recent one, Na Brian Laundrie's parents who just like knew what he was up to and just were like, mm, yeah. we're not going to say anything to the cops ever. No. <laughs> Call the fucking police. Yeah. yeah. Thomas's parents said that they were just utterly perplexed by like what the hell happened. Thomas also sent a text message to his sister as he was fleeing. And this, this translated a little weird. But he said to her, if I can't finish myself, then this. Meaning, I think, like, if he can't kill himself, 
then this is what he has to do. He has to kill Whose them. fault is it that you can't kill yourself, you inept dick face? You. <laughs> and I just think, so it's kind of, so he fled to another country, but he was literally caught two hours after the attack. So he was uh, apprehended in the, ta- in the town of Lear, which is funny because it's similar to Leek, where he lives. But German police arrested him there around five in the morning. And it just like Germans are so intense. <laughs> like, like of all I the police, of all the police I could ever be arrested by, I wouldn't want it to be the German ones. <laughs> right. I have a friend who is a German cop and his name is Thomas too, which is funny. Hi Thomas. <laughs> but yeah, they're intense and I just feel like they're really on top of their shit. And clearly the Netherlands and Germany communicate well because they captured this dude instantly. Yeah, you can't do anything bad in Germany. I got a speeding ticket there last week. <laughs> they caught me doing 109 in a 100 zone. So, yeah, just just try to mess with them there. You can't do it. <laughs> I just like, and also, like, he commits a murder. Okay, it's done. They can't go back from that. And you're going to flee. And your first thought is Germany. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, no. No, go somewhere where they can't extradite you. Or at least be driving in the direction of a place where they can't extradite you. Well, there's not much around here. He could have went to Germany or Belgium, basically. Don't think he had much hope with either. I don't know. I just feel like if I had to choose between Germany and Belgium for who I wanted to be arresting me, Belgium all the way, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they have waffles. (laughs) Yeah. Or chocolate. Aren't they known for some chocolate there, too? Yeah. (laughs) So as soon as he was arrested, he confessed immediately to what he did. He confessed to the murder. He confessed that he had been obsessed with Mika. And he said that his actions were just automatic because he could not control them. And that always just feels so weird to me that people can get into these like automatic behavior chains where they can't like veer themselves off course. I, I also know. feel like that's a really convenient excuse yeah in a lot of those situations and i also feel like not just an excuse for the police but like a self-forgiveness excuse too because if you sit there and you're actually trying to wrap your head around the fact that you just took another human being's life away i think a really easy way to rationalize it is to say i was out of control Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to regain control i couldn't stop myself everything was automatic like no that's probably not true but it's probably the easiest lie to tell yourself to make yeah yourself okay with what just happened and this was just such a stupid senseless thing to do like two days before this attack thomas had bought a new house with his sister so it's like come on dude like your life is fine you just bought a house move on like why are you doing this why are you bothering someone who doesn't want you there and then going completely crazy and ruining everything, your life and your sister's life's plans and... Everyone, yeah, so many people's lives were destroyed. Like, in that... if we ignore for a fact that you killed someone and ruined their life and everyone around them's life, you also trashed your own life. Like, this was not just... This was a full implosion of of everyone who was connected to the two of you. Uh, and, yeah, and for you're just nothing. Like, yeah, for no reason. For no reason. So at the exact same time that Thomas was being arrested, 
Mika's mother, father, and sister were boarding a flight from Boston to Amsterdam. Like, they headed out instantly. And I can't imagine what that flight would have been like for them. And I almost don't know if it's better that they knew that she was gone or if they were walking into, like, a missing person situation. Like, I feel like actually knowing that your loved one is deceased when you get on a flight like that would be easier in a sense than then, like a frantic you. search feeling yeah. that you need to have yeah but uh, the family of course like they're still in a deep period of grief like this just happened this is so recent and it's still going through court uh but the court process has actually happened quicker than it normally does here in the netherlands normally it takes more than a year to get to a trial but thomas has already had his trial actually So he was charged with murder for Mika, attempted murder for Tom, attempted aggravated assault for the British roommates, and arson and vandalism. And Mika's parents in the United States, they've been following the court hearings all the way through. They're now back in the United States, and they're they're watching all the court proceedings uh, via a video link. Of course, they're heartbroken. They're having a really hard time with this. And they made statements via video link that you can watch online. Danique's is really heartbreaking in particular. She said, think of us, the women who are raped, abused, and killed by men who don't get what they want. Mika was not property. She was a woman who had the right to reject a man without being killed for it. Tom also gave a statement, which you can read online. It's linked in my references. And it's so nice toward Mika. He really loved her. And he said that they had talked about a future together. He also said at the party, he wasn't feeling very well. So he went to bed not too late. And Mika came to bed and he said that she hugged him to sleep. And that was the last feeling he had was her hugging him to sleep. But there was one part of Tom's statement that Thomas responded to that made me really mad so tom also mentioned that him and mika planned to go to spain together after he said this statement thomas responded with i'm sorry for what i've done i wish i could take it back i also have the stories that tom has we also planned to go to spain together and i don't know i just hated his response because it still feels to me like he can't let this go like he needed to show that he had this relationship too also that means dick all because can i so first of all i'm gonna bring our friend brie into this she texted us that she missed us today so she's gonna get a little (laughs) shout out in this podcast but um brie has a house a vacation house that is not in the same country that we live in that she goes to and we went there with her a few times because you don't pay for accommodations yeah you don't pay for accommodations there and it's very lovely so for someone who has that in their life to offer that to someone that is a friend or a boyfriend or whatever like come to the like vacation home we can hang out there it's that's not an unusual thing to say and so to make that seem like it was some big declaration that like we also were going to go to spain and spain ain't that far away from the netherlands like it's really not that big of a deal to be invited to that kind of a situation so i just like that kind of makes me angry because i'm like you're making that seem like more than it was like, yeah. yeah, she probably invited you and was like, we could go there and, like, not spend a lot of money and have a really good time. 
And it would definitely wasn't like, I love you forever. Come boink me in Spain and we can run away together. <laughs> like, that's not what that was. Yeah, exactly. I have never once wanted to marry Brie because she took <laughs> me to her house. <laughs> Sorry, Brie. Sorry, Brie. <laughs> Sorry, Brie. Hate to crush you with that one. But <laughs> if that was your goal, it did not work. <laughs> so Thomas was found guilty. Um, no shit. However, psychologists who worked with him, they confirmed that he is on the autism spectrum and he has a personality disorder. So in the Netherlands, this means that he is held slightly less accountable for his actions. But interestingly, the psychologists also said that there is definitely a chance that this type of stalking behavior or this obsessive behavior would reoccur with him in future relationships if this happened again. Lock that shit up. Lock that shit up. Stalking behavior is so scary. Anyways, so (laughs) I gotta say this. So in all of the court documents that I was reading that that are like summarizing step-by-step what was happening, like every two minutes they were talking, they were like, Thomas is now crying and sniffling. (laughs) And it just like, like constantly. And you know that if it's, okay. You know that if it's mentioned in a court document, it was, like, obnoxious and noticeable. (laughs) Like, they're not just writing down, oh, uh, a tissue fell onto the floor and a woman leaned down to pick it up. No, like, they're writing down the significant facts that happened. So Thomas is crying again. Yeah. Little bitch is going off again, sniffling into his Kleenex. And, like, it's really annoying. And we're trying to have a court case here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... He also made a statement of remorse. I do think that he probably does feel remorse, but... Uh, yeah, because I mean, he shit all over his own life. So he's, he's upset that he got caught, not that he... <laughs> yeah, so we are at the sentencing stage in court right now, and actually this is set to happen on November 11th. They're sentencing him. Oh, Remembrance and- Day? You're going to bring down the <laughs> veterans with that kind of garbage? <laughs> well, that's on. actually that's the same day that this episode comes out. So Um, we're going to bring down the veterans with this garbage. (laughs) Sorry. But we will update you, but that will have to wait until our next episode on November 18th. We'll set, we'll tell you uh, what Thomas's sentence was. And I'm actually going to try to go to this court hearing. So we'll see if I make it. I have no idea. Uh, I know they're public. They're open to the public. So I'm going to try. I don't know. You're going to get to the entrance and they're going to go say this in Dutch and you're going to stumble your way through it and they're going to be like, not good enough. And then push you back <laughs> you're not invited. Yeah. Yeah. So the family is hoping for the maximum punishment on this, which is actually 20 years in prison and a mandatory psychiatric treatment. And this is what the prosecution is pushing for as well. So we will see what happens. And I know we talked at the beginning about this a little bit, but I think that this sentence does feel confusing for the family and for people from North America. You know, if someone commits an attack like this in North America, they often go in jail for the rest of their lives. 20 years, I think, seems a, lo- seems a bit low to a lot of people, but that's just how the Netherlands does things. They focus more on remediation and rehabilitation compared to people in the U.S., for example, who usually receive much higher sentences for things like this. And 
That's a double edged sword. Of I course, think that part like... of his part of his release stipulation in twenty years should be that he has to have tattooed across the front of his neck, I have stalking tendencies. This is not a joke. <laughs> Done. Good idea. I like right? it. You want to release him? <laughs> Fine, release him, but let's give everyone a warning that he's a Well, know... that's what's scary too. Like, no, we don't even know his name, right? Yeah. Exactly. So... Tattoo him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's good that I do this podcast with you because I tend to be kind of lenient towards criminals. And I know that that's not always correct and not always good. And I feel like you're just like, keep him in jail, tattoo him. Who the fuck cares? Well, okay, here's the thing, too. <laughs> There's got to be a way to tell me. So if you want to do your release and rehabilitation, that's fine. But I think that there needs to be like, you know, those little like five line tick boxes things. I think you need to start doing that. Tallying up on people's arms like (laughs) murder. And then you have like two lines. Vandalism. You have like two lines. Car theft. You have like three lines. Um, Armed robbery. There's just like a stack of them. Like, and then, you know, based on their arm tattoo, who you're dealing with. (laughs) I want, I want a post-apocalyptic society with tattoos for crimes on your arms so that I know (laughs) how much danger I'm in when I stand next to you. I'm going to write a book about it. It's going to be great. Everybody read it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, because if he is 27 right now, that means he'll be out at 47, right? That's still relatively young. It's not great in the dating pool uh, to be a single 47-year-old with stalking tendencies, but hey, let's try it out. So according to his lawyer, Tom, um, the not Thomas, Tom. Good Tom. He, good Tom. He is still in bad shape. Like physically, he's doing okay now, but mentally he's still really broken. And he's just not who he used to be before this. And he keeps a picture of Mika on his bedside table. And his lawyer said, every day Tom hopes there is something that can bring her back. It's a mix of grief, loss, and processing trauma. Now, to just end this on a note for Mika. So Mika's father wants her memory to help serve a purpose and to remind kids to be careful and notice the warning signs if they're they're in a relationship or online dating or anything like that. Her father said, there has, there's no hole deep enough to hold our grief. We lost the youngest member of our family. And he wants everyone to know just how special Mika was. Danique said, she was my baby sister. We don't really know how to cope with it. She had just so much more to give, and she had a lot of love for everyone. She was the sweetest, strongest woman I knew. She really just put everyone else before her everyone and they held a vigil for mika at her high school shortly after her death and more than 100 people came to this and from us from me and emily speaking for you emily oh you're allowed to i read this part i agree cool (laughs) so we were of course sending our prayers to mika's family and hoping that this sentencing that's happening today brings even just a tiny little sliver of closure, although I know nothing really can. So this was Mika's story. What did you think, Emily? Um, I just like Tinder gets worse and worse as you go on, you know? Mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. And I like I don't know how much of a cautionary tale you can really give because like this girl 
This girl seemed really smart, had a good head on her shoulders, and she did try to get away from Crazy Pants McGee, right? Like, she was basically like, we're friends, that's it, that's all. So you can do all the right things, and it still is just not going to be enough if somebody has lost it to that degree. Yeah, and it's really scary because how can you know who's going to do that or not? But, all right, well, that's Mika's story. Again, we're going to update you next week on what's happening in the sentencing today and let's hope that he gets the maximum sentence that he gets what he deserves in this which is actually a lot more like Mika would have lived you know for another 70 years and he's having to spend 20 years in prison maybe depending on the sentence so give him a tattoo give him a tattoo (laughs) <laughs> and not a cool one. I want what I want. I've described the ta- the two types that are acceptable. <laughs> Tally on the arm or straight across the throat. I want to see them. I want to know. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week for a new episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of SpookPod. New ones are out every Friday. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to chat? Email us at thespookpod at gmail.com or follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at SpookPod. For a full list of episodes, more deets, or to see what's coming next, visit our website, spookpod.com. This has been a presentation of Mostly Awkward Media. See you next week!